Oh, that was bad. We're going to try that one more time. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, you guys did well. You got up for the 11 o'clock service. Well done. The really faithful people here at 9.15. I'm just pointing it out. Just pointing it out. The really dedicated people here at 9.15. There's about 50 of us in this room loving Jesus together. But we're glad. We're glad that we have a full house at the 11. It's so good to see you guys. Um, In honor of Pele, who passed away this week, I want to start my very first sermon of 2023 with a story about football. I know. In the fall of 1989, I was selected to play football for the Hong Kong national team. Yes. Admittedly, it was the under-14 team. But it was the Hong Kong national football team nonetheless. I was selected along with 24 other schoolboys to play for Hong Kong. And the reason why we were putting a team together for the under-14s is because there was an upcoming football tournament against China, Indonesia, Philippines, and Macau, the mighty football powerhouse of Macau, right? And so they put this team together of 25 of the best footballing schoolboys in Hong Kong. And I was pretty proud to be selected for this team. I wasn't quite sure why I was selected, but I was pretty proud. I was pretty, playing pretty good football for South Island School, the school that I was at at the time. And I was selected, so I showed up to that very first practice. And you know what that would be like, right? You're selected, but you don't know any of the other boys that have been selected. And you're standing there, and in that first practice, there's a lot of nerves, There's some excitement, right? You're excited. You're going to play together, but there's nerves, and you're all checking each other out. Like, who's the best player in the team, right? Well, after about half an hour, it was pretty obvious to myself and to the coaches that I was the worst player in the team. (laughs) The worst player out of the 24 players. I was terrible. In fact, the standard of all the other guys was so much higher than me that I was wondering why was I selected in the first place. And I I began to understand that it was because I'm actually a left-footed player and I like to play in the left back of defense. Nobody likes to play on the left back of defense. And I'm a left-foot player who plays in the left back of defense. In other words, they were desperate to find somebody in the position that I played in. And so they selected me to play in that position. It was pretty dire that I was as bad as I was compared to everybody else. On the night before the tournament, it was clear to me that I was not going to play any game whatsoever. And this was just illustrated even more that during that night where they were discussing strategy for how they were going to beat all these teams, they also had some fun in coming up with awards for the team. I was voted the least likely to score which I understand because you actually have to play to score, right? And I knew I was not going to play, so I was voted least likely to score. The expectation of the team was that even if I could get some time on the pitch and the ball came towards me and the goal was open and there was no one around, I would still fluff the shot and miss. Well, we got thrashed by China, by Indonesia, and by the Philippines. And then came Macau. If there was one team that we thought we could beat, it was Macau. Since when did they play good football in Macau? 
So our, our coach, wanting to salvage some pride, selected the best team he had against Macau. We had not scored a goal the whole tournament, right? And he wanted to right those wrongs. So he had the best team. I didn't even qualify for the best 24. So here's the thing. Although I was in the squad that day and I had the squad outfit on and I had my boots on and everything like that, I wasn't even on the bench. There was no room for me on the bench. I was in the stands with the fans. That's where I was. True story. My mom was so upset. Said. <laughs> By halftime against Mikel, it's nil-nil. Nothing's happened. At the beginning of the second half, our star left midfielder is brought down by a horrendous tackle by his counterpart from Macau. I mean, it was such a bad tackle. And, and the, 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 the team of physios came on the field. They put him on a stretcher. They carried him off. And the coach suddenly realized he needed to replace him with a left-footed player. <laughs> He desperately searched the bench for a left-footed player and did not find one. And so, with the slowest head turn I have ever seen, he looked desperately to the stands. His eyes caught my eyes, and I'm sitting forward there like this, right? He keeps looking past me as if he was going to pull a fan out of the stands to come play. His eyes eventually come back to me, and with the most reluctant hand signal I have ever seen, he calls me up for my international football debut. I run onto the pitch so fast because I'm so excited. I run all the way to the center circle before I realize that I'm actually playing left in midfield. So I run back to the left-hand side of the pitch. This is not going well. The game starts again. It is fast-paced and furious, but we're actually doing okay. And at one moment, about 10 minutes in, we break down the right-hand side of the pitch. The whole team surges forward. I go along with everybody else, not really knowing what I'm doing. I end up on the outside of the left-hand corner of the box, our right foot, right-hand midfielder crosses the ball in, and the whole stadium pauses. Now, it was about the worst cross you've ever seen in your life. It was a terrible cross. And as soon as the guy kicked it, we all knew that none of us were going to get it, that the goalkeeper was going to come out and very easily grab a hold of it. Well, sure enough, the ball's coming in from the right-hand side. The goalkeeper comes out to grab it. And I, I guess he had a brain fart because he totally misses the ball, like totally misses it. And because everybody else is so surprised because they, they were guaranteed that the goalkeeper was going to get it. When he missed it, all the other players missed it too. And the ball came and it landed right in front of me. I was so scared. I was scared that the football was going to hit me in the face. It was going to bounce off the ground and smack me in the face. So here's what I did, okay? I was so scared, I wanted to protect myself. I went, ah! Just like that. I kid you not. I'll do it again. Ah! My right foot magically connected at exactly the right moment as the ball bounced. It was the best half volley you had ever seen in your life, even though I was trying to avoid pain. The ball flew off my right foot and like a lightning bolt, steamed into the top right-hand corner of the net. Yes! Yes! I scored! I couldn't believe it. I scored! Even though I was like, yeah, 
It was amazing. All my teammates came around me. Oh my God. And here's what they were saying. Oh my God, you scored. You scored. It was you. It was you. The one voted least likely to score, defied expectations, scored the winning goal, the only goal we ever scored in the whole tournament, and we beat Macau. Come on. All right. Yes, yes, I'm in the flesh right here with you. I'll sign anything after the service, anything at all. I will sign it. (laughs) As we start 2023, I wonder what expectations you have for the year ahead. I wonder what expectations you have for yourself personally, uh, for your work, your career, uh, for your relationships, people in your life. I wonder what your expectations are even for God, for, for what he might do in your life this year, for how he might work in you and around you. I wonder where your expectations are as you start this new year. Because here's the reality. Every single one of us, we always have expectations. In fact, our expectations shape and form everything that we think and we do. And most of the expectations we carry, formed by years and years of past experience, actually sit in our subconscious, and we don't even realize that they are there, and we don't consciously engage with our expectations when we go about our lives. I'll give you an example. When you came into the auditorium today and you found a chair, you actually sat down in that chair with the subconscious expectation that the chair would not collapse. You just, because of your past experience, have always sat in a chair that looks like this. It looks like it's going to hold your weight. You don't even think about it. You sit down. Lo and behold, the chair holds your weight. It confirms that subconscious expectation, and you continue with your life. Your expectations shape everything that you do. Are you you with me? Now, here's the thing. What expectations have shaped how you feel about 2023. For some of us in this room, you've had a really tough 2022. It's been really hard, really difficult. There's been some tough stuff going on in your life. There's been some struggle and some hardship and some suffering, perhaps. Maybe you've made some mistakes that you're not proud of and you're still wrestling with. And and, and your experiences of 2022 have now shaped an expectation in you that 2023 is probably going to be a little bit of the same. It's probably not going to be the best year ahead. It's probably not going to be great. You're probably not that excited about it. You're thinking, well, it was really tough 22. I'm kind of bringing a lot of that tough. I'm I'm exhausted. I just don't think this is going to be so great. I can't wait for 2024. Maybe that'll be better, right? If you've had a tough 2022, no doubt your expectations for 2023 will come alongside that. And it's the same if you had a great 2022. Some of you in this room had the best 2022 of your life. You had an amazing year. Your career went well. Things went great. You did some things that weren't expected. You actually achieved more than you had thought. And so as you lean into 2023, those things have shaped your expectations, and you're excited about 2023. You're excited about it. You're hoping it's going to be great. Well, it was great before. It's going to be great again. There's no reason to feel any other differently. And so here is the sobering reality when we step into a new year. It is not your New Year's resolutions that are going to shape your life. It is not your five-year plan that ultimately is going to shape who you are. It's not going to be the goals you've set yourself to lose a bit of fat, to get fit for the new year. It's not those things that are ultimately going to shape your 2023. Here's what's going to shape your 2023. The expectations you're holding right now. Those are going to be the things that you're going to either set up this year for success for you or not. And here's the reality. So often, our expectations 
keep us on the bench when we should be playing on the pitch. So often, your expectations will hold you back rather than release you into what it might be that God wants you to experience. As I was praying for us as a church about two months ago, as I was thinking about what 2023 might be like for us, it was this idea of expectations that I felt God put on my heart. This idea of challenging you in your thought process around the expectations that you hold. And, and as I was praying for you, I felt a funny emotion. It was this strong emotion of excitement and exhilaration in my heart. Like literally, like I am so excited for what this year is going to be ahead for you. I am so excited. And I feel it in my spirit as we're doing our services today, as I'm standing here with you right now. I, I feel this sense of exhilaration about how amazing stuff is going to be this year. And the reason why I feel that way is because in critical moments of history, and if we're honest with ourselves, Hong Kong is in a critical moment of its history, God always comes and does something new. I mean, if you look through scripture, you'll see that in critical moments of history, God always steps in and he does something new, something that he's never done before, something that shapes God's people for something in their future. And I feel and sense as I was praying for this year that this is the year for Hong Kong. God is about to do something new in our city, something of hope, something of life, something of positivity, something that's going to grow and change and, and bring this place much hope and joy. God has it on his heart because this is his character. He wants to step into the hard moments, step into the difficult times and do something so profound, so unexpected, so new that the world shifts on its axis. And if you're anything like me, there might be something in your heart that's saying, God, I need the new. I desire this new thing to come to shape and to form in me. I, I want to experience what that would be like, God, for you to come and do something like you have never done before. In the Bible, when it describes this word new in the Greek version of the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are two Greek words for new, neos and kainos. Neos means something new, from something that is old. Kainos means something completely brand new that's never existed before. So there are two emphases when you read scripture and you see the word new, it could be one of those two words, either just something new from something old, something that's been created out of something before, or kainos new, something that has never been created, never happened before. It's a completely brand new thing. And as I was praying for us, I felt like God was saying, I'm about to release this kainos kind of work over the people of the vine. And I got so excited for you because God is about to do something in you that he's never done before. And the challenge is, as we start the new year, do we expect it or not? Let me show you a passage of scripture that I think is so relevant for this time of history that Hong Kong is in and so relevant for us as we lean into this thought of God doing something new. It's from Isaiah chapter 43, and it's just a few verses. Let me read this to us. This is what the Lord says. He who has made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, 
who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and there laid them, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen people, the ones that I'd formed for myself so that they may proclaim my praise. God uses Isaiah to show up in a critical moment of Israel's history and say, wake up, Israel, because I'm doing something new. It won't surprise you that the word new there in the Greek version of the Old Testament is kainos, a brand new thing. Now, context is so important here. Because when Isaiah brings this prophetic word, it's at a moment of great difficulty for Israel. They've been at this point about 70 years in captivity in Babylon. The Babylonian army had stormed into Jerusalem 70 years before, destroyed their walls, destroyed their temple, killed many of them, and a remnant of Israel had been brought back to captivity in Babylon. And for 70 years, they've been there in captivity. For 70 years, they've had a theological crisis whilst they've been in isolation. And isolation has created a theological crisis in them. Where is God? What is he doing? Is he going to show up? Will things ever be like they will be again? And in the midst of that brokenness, God shows up. And if you're anything like me, when I, when I think about the context of Isaiah chapters 40 to 66, that's the chapters where God begins to speak this hope into Israel in a really difficult time for them. When I think about that context, I think about us. I think about how relevant this is for us here in Hong Kong. We know that the last number of years have been super hard here. We know that because of COVID, we've been in a season of isolation from one another, just like Israel was in a season of isolation from their homeland. We know that just like Israel had been whittled from the 12 tribes right down to like a remnant remaining, we know that many people have left Hong Kong in the last year or two. We know that it almost feels like there's a a remnant of us left in the city now, wondering and hoping for what's ahead. And just like that, there's been a theological crisis for many of us during COVID. When churches were shut down and the doors of the churches weren't open, so many of us struggled with our faith. We're in isolation. Where is God? When will things get back to how they were before? Everything we felt in the last year or two is exactly how Israel was feeling when they're in this time of captivity and God breaks into that time and he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. See, I'm doing a kainos thing, a new thing that I've never done before. And the question we should ask is, what was that new thing that God was about to do for Israel that he had never done before? You want to know what it is? Jesus. It was the Messiah. This is the starting point of Israel's journey 
to encountering the hope in their spirit for a coming Messiah who would right the world's wrongs. It begins right here by God saying, I'm doing a new thing amongst you. One that is kainos, not ever before thought of. It's not a new thing from an old thing. This is a brand new thought, a brand new day, a brand new moment, and I'm doing it amongst you. Jesus is going to come. Although Isaiah doesn't specifically say it here, we know from history that this is the turning point for Israel, where they begin to believe that a Messiah might come who could save them from the pain of the world. That's this moment, a new thing. And God says this to them. What a challenge. He says, do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive it? He says to Israel, I'm doing a new thing. He doesn't say, I'm going to do a new thing. He doesn't say, hey, wait, in a couple of months' time, I'm going to do this amazing thing. He's like, right now I'm doing a new thing. I've already started the journey of that new thing. I've already brought birthed into the world the spirit and the idea and what I'm about to do that is going to come out in the flesh so many years later. But I've begun that process now. Do you not perceive it, which has an implication in it, you aren't seeing it. And I want to declare over you in a prophetic way at the start of this year, God is also doing a new thing in Hong Kong. In a critical time of our history, I believe he's doing a new thing, a thing he's never done before. And I want to say this, he's doing it in your life as well. There is a new thing God is doing around you. And I wonder whether we are ever at danger of not perceiving the new thing God is doing and therefore relying on the old thing he's done before. My heart for you, as you step into 2023, is that your relationship with Jesus will be so fresh, so new, so exciting, so overwhelming that you could not even have a framework for it before. That could help describe to you right in this moment what is about to happen to you. He is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? This is why he starts with, see, I'm doing a new thing. He's not saying, he's not like a magician going, see, I'm doing a new thing. You know, that's not what he's saying. He's saying this, see, I'm doing a new thing. So see, I'm doing a new thing. So open your eyes and see it. I'm doing this new thing. Can you not perceive it? See it. I'm doing a new thing amongst you. And the excitement of this is for Israel to go, are we seeing? Are we perceiving? Are we connecting with this? And as we start 2023, there are new things that are happening in and around your life that God is doing. And your question is, am I failing to see the new? Am I positioned at the start of this year to see the new thing God is doing or not? And I want to offer to you two things that will stop you perceiving the new thing God is going to do in your life. Is that helpful? Are you still around? Hello, church. I'm going to give you two things that will stop you perceiving the new. There are many things, but here are two. The first is you look in the wrong place. You look for the new thing God is going to do in the wrong place. Let me explain that. At the start of every new year, what is the thing that we talk about the most? What new thing are you doing this year? Hey, you look like you could lose some weight. Are you doing a fast this year? (laughs) New body, new job, 
New goals? Have you set your new goals for the year? What's your new word for the year? Has God given you your new word yet for the year? So often when we're looking for the new thing that God is doing, we actually really just have the language about the new things we're doing. We actually end up looking at the new changes, the things that we think we need to change in us, and we kind of attribute that to what God is doing. God does not show up to Israel here and say, behold, you're doing a new thing. Time to fast. woo Right? Time to get the better body, the better job, the better bank account. It's your time, God is saying. That's not what he's saying at all to Israel. At a critical moment in their history, he doesn't turn to them and challenge them to do new things. He says, I'm the one doing the new thing. That's not your role. And there's nothing wrong with news resolutions. There's nothing wrong with goals or five-year plans. There's nothing wrong with a better body. All of that might be excellent in your life, might really help to serve your life. But your hope, your salvation, what God is doing in this world is not started by you setting some good new goals. God is already at work doing the new. It's God's work not yours. Our role is not to create something new in the new year. God's role is to create something new. Our role is to discover it. Our role is to perceive it. And in perceiving it, embracing it for ourselves. You want to change tremendously this year? You want the best year for your life? Work out what God is doing in this world. Work out what he's doing in Hong Kong. Work out what he's doing in and around your life and magnify that, embrace that, receive that, open your eyes to it. The best way we change is not by trying to get some better habits in our life, as good as those might be. The best way we change is by going, God is doing this. What does that mean for this? this. Are you with me? One of the reasons why we miss out on the new thing is because we're looking in the wrong place. So often we miss out on the very new thing that God wants to do in and around our lives because we are so busy trying to create that new thing ourselves. And for some of you, that's a word in season right at the start of this year. He's saying, stop trying so hard. Stop, stop trying to create in you the new thing that I can only create, that I can only do. I'm doing a new thing. Open your eyes. Here's the second thing that will stop us from perceiving the new thing. And it's why I started the message with my funny story about football. It's expectations. Your expectations will often stop you from seeing the very things that God is doing in your life. This is actually the reason that God draws attention to in this passage. I want to show you this from verse 16. Let me read this to us again. Is everybody still okay? Is this helping anyone? Good, over here on the left. I like it. Left, see, left-footed, left side, good. (laughs) This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses and the army and the reinforcements together and lay them there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. It blows my mind what God does here. He goes right back to a very fundamental time in Israel's history. Right before he says, I'm doing a new thing, God describes an old thing he has done. Not just an old thing, but the greatest old thing he's ever done for them. He says, to he who has made a way through the sea. What is he talking about there? 
Come on, everybody. What's he talking about? I heard it over here. Red Sea. Exodus, right? He's going back to the most fundamental moment that actually defines the modern nation of Israel. That moment where God parts the Red Sea, Israel is able to get through, the evading Egyptian army follows after them, the seas come back, all the chariots get messed up, they get snuffed out, never to appear again, as it says right here. God takes them back to the greatest moment of his activity uh, ever that he's ever done in life. In fact, it is the greatest miracle that he's ever done that shaped and molded Israel as the nation itself. And then he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Hang on a sec. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on a sec. It's like God is saying, hey, do you remember the most amazing thing I've ever done in your life? The thing that totally changed your life. The thing that made you the best person that you've ever been. You remember that moment? Remember when I split the Red Sea and you you guys remember that? Well, here's the thing. I want you to forget about it. I don't want you to think about it anymore. I want you to let it go. Why? Because that moment in your past is blinding you to the new thing I'm about to do. Even the really good thing in your past is blinding you to the new reality. Because guess what? I'm doing a kainos work. It means it's never existed before. It means that your expectations in the past won't actually help you in what I'm about to do. It'll only blind you. You'll only be holding on to the God who parts the seas when I'm about to be a God who becomes a human in flesh. You never expected that. You never thought that was going to happen. So let go of the former things, even the great stuff, because it's creating a box that you've put me in, and I'm about to break that box. And if you think I'm just a God who parts the seas, as great as that is, you're not ready for the God who's about to act. Paul, in a different way, says it like this. Our God is able to do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine. See, the new thing God wants to do in your life is immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. The new thing he wants to do in our city is immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And we are so boxed in by all the things that have happened before when God wants to free us so we can see again. Now, it's easy, isn't it? In fact, it sounds great when I tell you, hey, let go of the bad stuff. You know, we read a passage like this. Hey, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. We're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, man, yeah. Because I made some messed up things in the past. I did some things that were wrong. I did some things that were bad. Man, I feel so bad and so guilty. Oh, but I step into the new year, and you're telling me to let go. Oh, yeah, happy. See you later. Are you with me? Like, like when we hear let go of the past... It feels a great word for us because it's all the stuff that are, is bad in us, all the stuff that we've suffered from. Yeah, let's let those things go. That's not what God says here. He takes them back to the most amazing thing he's done. And he's saying, let go of that thing because that's only going to put you in a box. It's only going to create a way in which you're going to see the world that is not actually what I want. You see, God didn't want Israel's previous expectations of his actions in the world to be their ceiling, but their floor. Are you with me, church? He didn't want it to be their ceiling, the thing that they're always hiding up against. Oh, he, he did that in the past, so let's hope he does that again. And God's like, I don't want to do that again. I did that before. It was important before. I've got a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. It's a kainos thing. Stop hoping for neos when I have kainos for you. Two days before Christmas, my iPhone 
brought up a photo history moment. Do you get those? Really annoying, right? You turn on your phone, and there's like a photo there from the past, and it's like when you had really bad hair. Five years ago, you had bad hair, you know, like something like that, right? So two days before Christmas, my phone jumps up a photo of Christmas Day at the Vine 2018. And stupidly, I clicked on it. And I was taken to a folder of all the photos and videos I'd made on Christmas Day 2018. Let me tell you about that day. This place was packed. There was not an empty seat in the auditorium. I watched those videos with a sense of, man, God was awesome. That is so cool. Oh, I wish the vine was still like that. It's funny, isn't it? How the great things God has done in our past can be the things that upset us in our present. Can be the things that make us go, he doesn't do that anymore. I have to say, two days before Christmas, I was pretty deflated. Who's going to show up on Christmas Day? Like so many people are on holiday. All my friends are in Niseko skiing. It's really annoying. <laughs> like who's going to show up, right? At our 1130 service on Christmas Day, we had almost 900 people in one service. It's the largest single service we've had in 27 years here at the Vine. We could not, like we didn't just run out of chairs in this room. We ran out of places in the building for people to be. Uh, out right here was full. The mini hall downstairs, full. Right outside by the thing. Tony Reed, our former senior pastor, was texting us saying, do not let any more people in the building. I love you, Tony, but I agree, man. It was so packed. The single biggest moment ever. And there's me two days before, looking at the great thing God has done in the past and kind of going, that's now my thing that I kind of, and like God is like, you have no idea, Andrew, what I'm about to do. And of course, it's not about the, the numbers of things, the size of things. Some of the great new things that God wants to do in you are so small that you're likely to miss them unless he opens your eyes. And so he says here through Isaiah to Isaiah, do you not perceive it? Can you not see it? What we're going to do over the next six weeks is help you to see it. This series is called Will You See? And I believe that there is so much that God has for you ahead. And as we look at this here on the screen, it will give you a breakdown of how we're going to go through this. We're going to go through chapters 40 to 66 in Isaiah. And each week, we're going to pull out a new thing that God says to them in that critical season of history when he turns their expectations. And he talks about lots of different new things in those chapters. And we're going to look at those each week here together to help you to get your mind around the new thing that God wants to do in your life. Here's the thing. Let go. Let go of all the bad stuff, the hard stuff. If you've had a tough 2022, and many of us have, don't allow that to set your expectations for 2023. Let me also challenge you to even let go of the great stuff, the stuff that God did that was amazing, but don't allow that for you to put God in a box and think that God's always going to act like that when God has new amazing things that are abundantly beyond anything you could ever imagine. That's your 23, and that's why I'm exhilarated for you. Amen? We're going to respond by taking communion together. I wonder whether you just take a cup with me and the band are going to come. And I'm going to invite you to stand with me actually as we do this. I think there's no better way to start the year and to respond to a message like this than to take a moment with the 
symbol of coming around Christ in his life, death, and resurrection. So I wonder whether you just peel back the first layer, take the little paper, I don't know what it is, cardboard thing, whatever in your hand. <laughs> it's not cardboard, it's, it's edible, don't worry. Uh, don't eat it yet, don't eat it yet. Um, I wonder whether you just close your eyes as you're holding this. What you're holding in your hand is a symbol of the life of Christ, his body broken for you. And as you start 2023, this represents the incredible things that he has done for you in the past. When his body was broken on that cross, he had given his life for his disciples and for those in the first century. And he gave up his life, his body, after having done all these miracles, all this teaching, all this incredible stuff, so that they would come to know a resurrection that was unlike anything that they had expected. What you hold in your hands this morning is a symbol of the greatest thing that Christ has ever done for you. It might be when you came to know him. It might be your baptism. It might be the person he's brought into your life, a spouse or a relationship. It might be that moment when you prayed for someone who was sick and they got well. It might be a miracle that he's done for you. And just like with the bread, our place with the bread is gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for your body broken for me. So today it is that great thing he's done for us in the past. I want you to bring that to mind for you. And as you bring it to mind for you, I want you to thank him for that incredible thing. Maybe it's a whole list of things. Maybe it's for your family, relationships in your life, whatever. And that great thing is to be now your floor, not your ceiling. That great thing is not to be a box that you've put God in. And as we take the bread together today, we do so with this idea of allowing ourselves not to dwell on the things that God has done in the past that are so great, but actually allow ourselves to be open to the new. I wonder will you take the bread with me together. Then you want to peel back the next layer of your cup. And then we're going to just hold that for a moment again with our eyes closed before we take it. So once you've peeled it back, just close your eyes again. Christ is with us here in this moment and it's such a precious gift. The blood of Jesus represents forgiveness of sin. What a gift it is for us at the beginning of this new year to take the cup in that place of remembering our brokenness and difficulties. And just as we've thought about the greatest things that God has done, I want you now just to take a moment just to bring before Christ some of the things that you're not so proud of. Maybe the Holy Spirit is just speaking to you now. And maybe it's just some sins that you want to bring to Him and confess before Him. Maybe there's just something that's there that yeah, you know that maybe it's just something you've even done this year, a relationship that broke down, something that happened at work. Maybe it was your fault, maybe it wasn't, but it was really difficult for you and really hard. The blood of Jesus covers everything that we do that we're not proud of, everything that has happened to us, whether we've caused it or it's just happened to us that has been difficult and hard. The blood of Christ releases us from this. 
And the glory of the cross and the resurrection is that blood paid the price for our sins so that we are not punished by God, but we receive new eternal life. So just as Isaiah says to his people, forget the former things, even the hard things. I don't want you as your pastor for you to carry any of that brokenness, any of that sin into the new year. And right here we have an opportunity just to confess it before Christ. The Bible says just to take a moment to do this. If there's anything that we have against one another, we are to confess those things before we take the cup. So I want you just to take a moment just in your heart to bring anything before him. Ask for his forgiveness and his grace. He loves you so much. He's not angry at you. He's not upset at you. He's so excited about your future. Just bring him that now. And now let's take in the cup together in the forgiveness of Christ Jesus. I wonder whether you just open your hands with me. As we're going to respond just in a moment in worship. But as your hands are open, the Holy Spirit just wants to come and continue to minister to you here at the start of the new year. You don't need to rush from this place. You don't need to rush from this moment. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you now. He's got such great things ahead. The kainos for you, the brand new. And maybe your prayer as we worship now is just to say, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Shift my expectations so that I can truly see what it is that you are doing. Let's worship together.